Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding your best friend and then polishing up just a little bit because, you know, want to look nice for the evening. I'm sorry, Dave. That type of polish doesn't complement my finish. Oh, thank goodness. I thought you were going to say, I'm sorry, Dave. You can't polish me there. <laughs> Family programming, man. Come on. It is indeed. We can always edit that out. Uh, Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. And this night we're talking about putting robots in your RPGs, especially in in the two examples we're especially looking at are Springworthy and Bureau 13. Uh, But any... Uh, basically any game you could uh, that you can put robots into. So any other uh, dangers of robotics you can see besides, you know, I mean, other than basically making human life pointless? No, I think that's doing pretty much all our the biggie. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the biggie, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was funny, though. It, they had, there was a short story one time where uh, the uh, uh, they, they were in a war with another country, and and they uh, kept fire. Uh, uh, they, they they kept firing their missiles, but their their the enemy was just as good at programming uh, their miss their missiles and their counter missiles. So they were always you know failing to uh, uh, to get through to the enemy side. It was a stalemate. And this guy goes, he says, "Well, I've come up with this way for humans to do mathematics. What? You mean like you know they they, they could actually like steer the rocket?" What? You know, because he shows them how he could do. It. Yeah, we'll just get a put a two like one or two guys inside of the inside of one of our missiles, and they'll just do all the calculations and um, and, and and steer you know and, and steer it in ways that the other uh, uh, missile won't be able to uh, uh, compute because it will be you know unexpected and. And uh, they'll be able to, you know, make all the fine calculations and and the last minute things to be, be need to be done, and we'll win the war. And the guy guy goes out and shoots himself because he's just condemned how many thousands of soldiers to an unnecessary death because of his invention of mathematics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, and, and you know these, these are great stories, you know, but you know, they have to be short because you can't like you know they don't they don't do well under a microscope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know we it, we don't it, it would be a shame if robots did, started doing our thinking for us because we just basically let them. And right now we've got people who can't can't do even simple mathematics. Yeah. In their minds, okay, you know, and. and uh, and, and I and I, the fact that I can't remember, I mean, I don't remember phone numbers anymore except my own and maybe my wife's because I don't have to. It's, you know, it's on my phone. Yeah, we have it's in a list on the Internet. Yeah. Don't have to remember it, you know, and so I don't. But I mean, when, you know, four years ago, you know, I, I remembered dozens of 
on hundreds of phone numbers. I had this discussion with Habibi back in the day because, you know, we'd go driving, you know, either Jen Connor, we'd go down to Columbus for our friend Derwood's wedding. And Cleveland's freeways always mess me up. And so I'm sitting there using the, you know, Google Maps or whatever, and she goes, you do realize that after a while, the innate sense of direction people have is going to be useless. I said, oh, no, no, no. I mean, mine might have diminished due to age. I've navigated around cities I've never been in before. And people, I, I used to have a fantastic sense of direction. And I know, one, I've gotten older. Two, I've come to rely on things like Google Maps. And so right. with that reliance on mapping programs on smartphones, yeah, my sense of direction has diminished a little bit. And I've gotten lost once or twice in the past few years. And I can chalk it up to both those factors. Relying on Google Maps more, or no, what was the one that sucked? MapQuest. Always got lost with MapQuest. Hated MapQuest. Google Maps came out like, finally, a map program that works. And just, <laughs> yeah, I've gotten older. I, I'll admit that because 20s, 30s, into my 40s, yeah, I was driving around places, could get around everywhere. And just since over the past decade, I've noticed that my sense of direction's gotten a little worse. So, yeah, the short-term info thing, it's like, okay, determining direction and all that, yeah, that's, that'll get to be worse and worse. And from what I hear, men have more of a bit of, like, iron in the brain. It's like kind of on the nose, and it acts like a lodestone where we can determine magnetic north a little better. I've never heard this before. I I've heard it, and I've I've heard it from several sources. And I mean, I I know that pigeons have a, a thing like that in the back of their necks, which is what allows them homing pigeons to yeah. navigate as they did before they became extinct. But I I've never heard of humans having that. Well, no, human men men just seem to have a little, like as I said, it's like kind of behind the nose in the front part of the brain, and it's almost like a lodestone. That's how we can determine magnetic north. Okay. And then we joke around about, well, that's why men never ask for directions. <laughs> well, part of it is, yeah, they, but others are just stubborn. They don't want to seem incompetent. No, but right. I, but, yeah, but, some, it, it, I forget the part of the brain that it's called just, but yeah, it, it apparently human males have this lodestone, for lack of a better okay. term. All right. Well, I think the point is, is that um, I don't think we have to... Even though you know we're you know we do these things out of laziness, I don't think it is going to you know reduce our ability to do these things if if we learn how to do them once. Okay, you know they'll stay with us forever. But if we never learn them because we've got you know robots to do them for us, then of course then we'll just be dumb because you know <laughs> we didn't know we never bothered to learn anything useful. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that that can always happen even if you don't have robots. So I don't think we have to worry about the robots doing our thinking for us and because we become incapable of doing our own thinking. Uh, I think we'll always be able to do that. So uh, anyways, um, so that's pretty much what I have. So uh, when we go over, let's imagine ourselves uh, in Bureau 13, okay? So uh, just, just right at the top of your head, what stuff, do you want to be robotic? Well, as I said, um, the the Colorado would be a good start just because that's such a focal point for all the teams. It, okay. it helps with driving, helps with, you know, 
weapons control, uh, computer searches, because you got the Bureau RB computer, which is incredible. Right. Uh, let's see, what else in the Bureau? Drones, because there's a section in Bureau 13D20 called Drones, and right. you have four different types, and if they were to move around on their own with just commands, it's like, okay, go, you know, check, you know, this quadrant, and it goes over and it films it. By the way, that part of the brain, the hippocampus ah. is looking up, yes. So, but yeah, let's see what else. Bureau 13, robotic. Um, I would probably say those two things, drones, and because I can't really think of anything else that would be robotic, quote-unquote. How about the, uh, how about the med bay? Okay, see, I just chalked it up as a function of the, of what's in the Colorado. But yeah, okay, the med bay with like the little Waldos coming down and everything. Well, I mean, because, you know, uh, right now, I mean, we, you know, there, we, we don't have robots that actually do surgery, but we know that they would be, they would do a better job of it, the physical part of it. Yeah. You know, uh, because they, they would have a defter hand at it. They'd have better feedback. They, uh, they might, they might be. And they don't forget a single medical fact. They have everything about medicine ever at their disposal right there. Right, but I'm talking more along the lines of is it that you know you have a 13 hour surgery and yeah. and, and it's things like heart surgeries, surgeries most transplant surgeries are terminably long, okay? Yeah. Where the, literally the success or failure of the surgery is a lot of times based on the on the transplant team ability to continue the operation. Yeah. Robots never get tired. Yeah. So that raises your chance of survival right there. You know, it can move faster. You know, let's say it could suture up a wound in, in like two seconds rather than it might taking a minute by a human. You know, that could mean the difference. Between, you know, uh, it could automatically reach in, clamp down all the blood vessels that are bleeding out, you know, way faster than a human can do it. So, I mean, it could be an adjunct to an actual person doing the, the, uh, uh, the work and give a bonus to their first aid check. Yeah. Or it could do it all. It could do it all itself, depending upon the level of skill. And you might. And, and you know, I I always I shove stuff underneath the bed in the back of the RV and in, in what's like the sleeping area all the time. Right now, um, in, in uh, stocking the still seat in the back, I put a what I refer to as the bio bag, which essentially was a coffin, a cryogenic coffin that would put that would basically fr not freeze your body, but put it into deep hypothermia. At the same time, clamping into the the, the arteries and, and, and veins of your uh, going into your brain and running that through a heart lung machine that would keep everything you know at the right temperature and keep it going until you got some place where you could get some really you could get some real help. Okay. And and essentially, uh, preferably the bureau, um, but maybe you know it could be any hospital where. Uh, you could go immediately into a triage center or something like that, and uh, and and but the rest of your body is put in cryogenic. So even though your heart's not going or or whatever, you know you're not your, your tissues aren't going to die. Yeah. But not so cold as that they freeze and, and have those problems. So that's why. But it, it you know you could instead of having that, you could have something where the bed opens up into a table. You put the person down the table, and then the spider erotic thing goes goes at it and. And, and and you know sticks in the sticks in the needles and cuts in and and, and gets the bullet out or yeah. does whatever is necessary and and, uh, and and possibly saves somebody who should otherwise be dead on the table that could be done you know so you know it doesn't have to be part of the RV but some kind of a uh, tree uh, 
not triage, but trauma bot. Yeah. Would be really nice to have. You know, where it just literally, and, and it could actually be just like, you know, I don't want to use, uh, I think the, the design of uh, uh, BB is uh, some Star Wars. It's kind of silly of a rolling ball. But, I mean, something that when something bad happens to you, it immediately throws itself around the affected area and just wraps itself around it, forming a, a, a wound protection or a splint or whatever else might need to be done. You could have these kinds of, of, um, of, of trauma bots with yeah. you that could, could, could do that for you. you know, they could be combatants you know, or provide those kind of support until someone gets hurt, and then they basically open up like a clamshell and just wrap themselves around the affected body part and provide whatever is needed to be done there. So that, I think that would be really cool to add to Bureau 13. Um, and of course, if it's, can be add, if it's, it's just cool in Bureau 13, it's going to be cool and fringeworthy. But that's, that's one thing that uh, I, 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 we don't have in the game, and I oh, think okay. that would be that would be cool to have because right now we don't have really any, we don't even have combat drugs that are supposed to like, you know, you go down and someone goes over and like, you know, uh, you know, puts a pint of, you know, a quart of uh, fluid in your body and, you know, it gets your blood pressure up uh, or just, just drugs just put, basically puts your, your blood pressure up and but you know you're gonna go you're gonna go into shock crash big time if you don't get treatment before the drugs run out kind of thing we don't even have that kind of stuff it was referred to as combat drugs in a lot of novels and other games um you know uh fallout again has a lot of drugs like that i think there's one called um psycho that does basically that mm. jet makes everything seem slower basically speeds up your reactions and stuff but Psycho, I think it makes you stronger, makes you more resistant. You know, um, Medex basically is a painkiller. You could just take more damage. Basically, you just you know, ignore it. It raises your uh, damage reduction. You know, so but people people can get addicted to it really easily. Yeah. So you know, we don't have any of that because that was Richard's decision. He wanted the game to be very family friendly, so he really didn't include very many drugs in it at all. He listed different kinds well, of drugs. Well, I mean, the drugs that he put were basically things like anti-wear, side-deadening, right. amnesia, yeah. but and, and true drugs, right. You know, basically the things that didn't, you didn't use them in combat. The only thing, you, the only drugs you used in combat were sleep drugs that you'd like use in a dart or something. They, uh, that, they didn't have anything that like I'm, I'm mentioning that would be, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, something that would make somebody, uh, uh, be able to fight when they should, you know, they, they should, they should check out. Yeah. <laughs> they should take, go take a, take a no, nice long nap so it doesn't turn into a dirt nap. Yeah. So, uh, but it's, it certainly could be in the game. It just isn't. So, um, that's, that's one thing. Um, but, uh, but I can see a robot being, you know, like being able to, to be part of that. Uh, of course, that gets in in Bureau Thirteen. That gets in the whole, you know, keep the supernatural and the unusual secret. So when you have a whole bunch of weird robots, run, drones and stuff running around behind you, it does tend to attract attention. Yeah, yeah. But, so you're going to have to be use judgment there. But you know, even if it looks like a dog, you know, like one of those uh, Boston Dynamics, but it's really like what I just said. It it can move around its own little two feet. It uh, it can do a few things. You know, maybe it can give a warning like a bark, or maybe it can be intimidating. But when it really comes down to it, it's really just your, it's, it's just your mobile first aid kit. 
So I could see that. I could see that, you know, in, 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 in both games. So, uh, but uh, let's see. Uh, I really want the gun sight on my gun to, and, you know, maybe this is AI or whatever, but you know how they've got these, this, this, this thing where you can stabilize a video. You basically just pick an object and it decides in the video what's the important object. And no matter how you move, it keeps that in the center. And so the, 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 the edges of the, the, uh, of the video move around and whatever. And, but you keep, you, know, you keep looking straight at a clear view of your target, which would be really good if you were like people were like riding horses, yeah. you're chasing somebody. Kind of like a smart sight or a smart gun, yeah. Right, right. So I don't know if that's a robot or not, but I would like something like that where, you know, I pick up the gun and once I like paint the target with like a laser or something like that, it says it keeps it in the center of my sight no matter how I move. So that, you know, um, and, you know, it, it's, it, it's, uh, it'll, it'll automatically move the front of the gun to, to match up to it if it can, but of course there's always going to be a limitation on that. Yeah. I mean, those things can only move so far, but they can move a lot farther than they can. You can be holding basically the, the back, the, the butt of the gun. If, if you were holding the butt of the gun and it turns itself at a 30 degree angle to the right to fire at somebody, it better be, uh, a, rec a recoilless rifle, otherwise it's going to rip itself right out of your hands. Yeah. But, but you know, if nothing else, it could like you know, you could it could get let you know whenever you were actually on target with it. You could have this moving around, and you you're looking at the target, trying to get that sight onto the target. You know, by moving your body properly to aim. But I just wanted something, and that may I say that may just be AI, but that's something I haven't seen in the game that I think would be really cool to have. And I think it would give a bonus to successfully uh, shooting somebody or whatever, because you know. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely for uh, OGL, it'd be an equipment bonus just because right. you got this sight that's just always keeping you on the target despite staying in focus. Wins. Yeah. Yeah, it'd also be really important. You know, how many movies you've seen? Like, did you see who was driving that? No, they were moving too fast, or it was dark, or. Or, or uh, you know, I was uh, I was riding and I couldn't. I was bouncing around too much. And he had something that was just like nail the target, focus in on it. You know, making a million micro adjustments per second to keep it in focus. And you get a really good view of that person when they look back to see if you're still following them. You're like, okay, I know who you are now. I got you. You're on film. You know, you're on on video. So I can now I can go back to the, send it off to the bureau and have it run through the databases, find out who you really are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a robot or it's an AI, but I think that'd be cool to have. Uh, I, I always thought of it as be, being kind of robotic because you basically, you're having to tell it, you know, what the target is. Yeah. And then it reacts to that and, and basically moves itself to, you know, the, the, at least the, the site moves around to keep it, you know, to keep it in, uh, and and you know, to keep it in focus or keep it directed properly, it could even like look around the side for you. you know? <laughs> it says obviously you're not going to shoot at that, but you can still look at it. Yeah, you know, everyone, you know, everyone thinks you're, you know, everyone thinks you're looking forward, but instead you're actually using a, a mirror and you're looking out through the side of the of the uh, of the gun or something. Anyways. Um, so uh, you don't. Nothing else comes to mind for robots in Bureau Thirteen. No, no, not really. Okay. I mean, just, All right. right. Yeah, and and of course, if it looks like a person, you know, you can be your buddy that basically goes along with you until you, 
you need something more. You know, uh, they certainly can make them pretty enough. Yeah. You know, we we've seen some of the plastic partners that are available. Well, I mean, Pero Thirteen, as I said, with I again, I go by the D twenty future tech the progress levels. PL seven, yeah. you can make perfectly human looking androids with PL seven. And if it's prototype PL eight, techno organic to where I mean they've got the systems and I mean even robots that are just well programmed, they still, you know, would be exceedingly they would move as well as a human because the servo motors would just be that um articulated. Right. So, okay. I, I, as long as they don't actually have true AI in them, I'm fine with it. Yeah, because yeah, then, yeah. Uh, and because I think that should really be the province of player characters. Yeah, as uh, I said, you could have like a humanoid or, or like a robotic, <laughs> for my dementia friends, the robot cat, yeah, or a robot dog or a robot bird. And I mean, it, it'll have its function to where it looks like a normal member of the species, but then it has all this other stuff due to the senses and agility and whatnot. So right, right. Okay. Well, then moving on to Fringeworthy, which is a game of you know exploration, especially on planets where usually the technology is a lot less than than modern technology. Sometimes it's it's Stone Age. You know, um, robots uh, there. Uh, recon. Okay, recon through. So basically, more drones. Or if you have full, a bird, fully human or fully humanoid. Uh, yeah. Either way, you could either send in a robot walking in with a holographic disguise to make it look like because you know, let's say you get um, through binoculars, you find what a native looks like. Well, fine. You with computers, you make the hologram, you put it on the robot, he walks in, he looks like a member of the village. Yeah. Or you have robotic birds that you fly them overhead, and yeah, it looks like a bird, and yeah. it's getting camera shots of everything and downloads right back to your uh, tablet or laptop or whatever. Right. Well, you're basically talking about late campaign there, and as I yeah. said, when you yeah. get in the late campaign, basically it's Star Trek. You can do whatever you want to, but in the early and middle campaigns, I think that would be a little too advanced. Uh, the but early campaign, the only robot you're going to have is the windup. Well, no. I mean, like I said, once you get to the world, as long as you're willing to, like, you know, uh, let them boot them back up, you can have any, everything, any military drone that's currently available. Yeah. And you you can have a lot, and it is the near future, so you can throw in a lot more, you know, some, some better versions of the Boston Dynamic ones. Yeah, they're, they can they're carry PL, stuff. Yeah, and, Earth Prime in the early campaign is, they're just hitting PL6, which means robotics takes a quantum leap because of, well, fusion-age technology, even though you're not putting a fusion reactor in, you still are going to, remember, all boats rise at high tide. So if you get fusion-level tech, your robotics and electronics and mechanics have to be better to support that new energy source. So, yeah, your robots are going to be just on point. Anything above and beyond, you know, probably stuff 25, 30 years in the future would be stuff you could use in an early, early campaign for Fringeworthy. Right. So I can see in the middle campaign where you have robots that look like humans, but they really aren't. You know, I mean, they don't have true AI. They're still basically smart systems that do what you tell them to do and possibly can carry on a basic conversation. 
and you could use them as you know infiltration where you basically make them look like somebody yeah like you know like you 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 basically know there's a warlord and the warlord's out on a hunting trip and so you take your robot and you put a plat you put a, a a articulated face on it that looks like the warlord and you bring him in at, at, at knife point or gunpoint and say all right i got your boss hmm. you know now give me now give me what i want or you know in the case of let's say they've captured like some of your team members and then you do a trade and they end up with a robot and the robot blows himself up or the robot just leaves this is goes and rips his face off says see ya suckers and turns around and runs off and joins your group as you go like running away and hopefully they're not going to be hot on heels <laughs> so freaked out by the the strange you know demonic beast that showed up and impersonated the the warlord you know but i'm just saying is that that kind of thing i could see in the middle campaign but but not in the early campaign no uh but i could see that but the, the true robot, the true AI robotic mix, the true androids. I would save that for the the, the late campaign. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, so I definitely can see that. Uh, one of the things that uh, is they always poorly done uh, in, uh, is is communication. See, you go to these worlds and they they don't have you know our modern communication with satellites and microwave towers and things like right. that. And so the first thing you want to do is you want to put something in the air that can act as your, um, if nothing the else, just the, the relay. Yeah. So you could basically explore you know an area twenty miles across and and be able to stay in constant communication with each other, and it just hangs up in the air. Um, due to whatever technology you're using, whether it's made of super light materials and it's staying up by solar power or it's got some kind of a fusion reactor in it that, that will work on the planet uh, and you just keep it going that way or maybe it just has enough fuel to stay up for 24 hours and then you have to re send another one up to take its place and it can provide internet service and so when you when you and, and this is really cool to do because this is where you you, you get to like you know take more control people you go and says yeah here here's this device that show, you know that does all these things and they say says says oh well we'll just take your device and now we don't need you it says oh well you know it's it, the magic is is linked to my to my body and, and if i die it'll stop working and of course you know, when, if someone shoots you or something like that, then you just basically cut the uh, internet link to the server that's yeah. delivering all the content, and all of a sudden that that tablet becomes a useless piece of plastic. Yep. Oh no, we've killed the golden goose. If only we could take it back. Well, I was just faking. <laughs> and then they shoot you again because you lied to them. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you're demon. No body armor. Let me show talk to you about body armor. <laughs> and. Um, that that actually, uh, that's, I'm not going to go into that tangent, but that actually completely changed the course of a war when people actually put. Uh, we they gave one side body armor, but didn't give them any weapons, and it turned out not being able to ignore ninety percent of the shots fired at them really was a was a huge tactical advantage for their side. Ah, <laughs> and the play and the and the and the team never even thought about that. Essentially, America is still is still ruled by the uh, by the Native Americans in that world. Oh, okay. Because they just got rid of the settlers, because the settlers just couldn't hit them hard enough. Yeah, they had all this body armor that the that the fringeworthy gave to them. <laughs> but anyway, so it there, it was a lot more interesting in the details. But that's not a story for another time. Yes. Uh, so yeah, communication I think would be really good to do. Um, also, uh, again, take 
you know, one of the things that in a lot of refrigerated uh, campaigns, you get paid for doing surveys. Yeah. Basically, long-term surveys, being able to take pictures of the ground around. You can see whether not how long, you know, what's the water like in this area? Have have this area been suffering from droughts? That tells you a lot about the way the uh, the ecology is. Is this unusual? You know. Um, uh, Things like uh, the distribution of animals, looking for infrared signatures. Yeah. How you know how uh, where are the settlements? All that stuff. I mean, you can do it manually by basically sending up the you know a drone and flying it over the area, and some person meticulously recording this information. But it's probably something that a robot could do for you just as easily, and you could be sleeping while this is happening because if you're using infrared, it doesn't matter if the sun is shining. Matter of fact, it's probably better if the sun isn't shining. Yeah. So. Uh, there's there's that going for you. So yeah, you know, uh, uh, basically information gathering, communication, and of course, if you do have to get into warfare, nothing beats the high ground like an aerial uh, a weapons platform. Oh yeah, and I and it's something I almost I mean, these, my players never even take mortars with them. I mean, the most I've ever seen them take has been like law rockets. Okay, they might ha they might have a a, a a a a grenade launcher under their M16s. Okay, or AK-47s. They never take anything like that. And I've always been surprised by that because they never want to go my route, which is like, well, you know, be lambs amongst wolves and, and let yourself be captured. They still always, if they're in that situation, they still always want to fight it out. And I'm like, okay, if you're going to do that, why don't you have like, you know, the cavalry that can come flying in, you know, like in 19, uh, in 2000, uh, uh, Godzilla, where the uh, the saucer comes flying in to stop Godzilla, after he basically stomps all the the, the national defense forces like they're nothing. Be uh, nice to have that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, As yeah. I never thought of a weapons platform for fringe. -worthy. Of course, I don't. I don't do the Earth Prime fringe worthy games anyway. So if I were to do that, that'd be a first for me. But yeah, yeah. I just never thought of having like a weapons platform drone for lack of a better term yeah. that could you know fly itself with very good programming and just come over the rise as the IDET is yeah. you know back against the wall yeah if you, yeah it's it's it certainly could happen you know and and you it just it, it just you know you basically send the uh red alert signal and it, it basically you know wherever it is it it, it launches itself and and flies over to you and and waits orders, and you just you just you know use it use its sensors, paint some targets, you know, take out the trash. Yep, it could it could happen. You know, uh, uh, as far as putting up like a you know uh, uh, drones for a long time, you know, like I said, the one thing is that super light materials. One of the easiest super light materials to put up, of course, is a um, uh, is balloons. Yeah, if you if you do balloons in a vertical fashion, where it's like one balloon after another. You still get all that lift, except it has a very small footprint to the wind. And then you use solar panels, you know, to basically power a, a prop or an air turbine of some kind to keep the, 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 the to keep the lighter than lighter than air vehicle in the same position or wherever you want it to be, as long as it doesn't have to get there real fast. And uh, and and with the um, uh, instrument package underneath, so 
you you know, and and if you make if you make it uh, transparent and sky blue in color, there's a really good chance that nobody will ever notice it's up there. Yeah, depending on how high you want or it. Or if the power, if the power and the tech are high enough, just you know, like refractors, you know, so where it pretty much is invisible. You know, like the yeah. shield helicopter in Avengers. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, if you got the ability to, you know, basically take a picture of the background and and project it onto the surface of your 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 balloons. Optical translucence, yes. Yes. Well, yeah, it, it doesn't take very much distance before you can't see that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's it's amazingly short, you know, and um, and and of course, you know, clouds are very weird shapes. It's been, you know, you could make it look like a cloud. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. Anyways, because um, you know, I mean, people's ability to judge distances can also be a problem. So something that's a couple hundred feet across and it's made to look like a cloud. If you expect a cloud to be like a mile up, it's still going to look like it's a mile up. Yeah, right. It's just uh, just the illusions there, you know. So okay, so uh, that kind of so basically um, uh, assault. Uh, I don't see them primarily as transport because uh, they would be they because usually on fringeworthy it's it's too much distance. And look, if you're in a relatively a post-industrial age world where they have roads, then yeah, sure, you know you. You could have your self-driving cars and stuff like that still part of your, your your gig. But if you're spending most of your time in the wilderness or swamp, you know, then no. If you're of course if you're on an ocean world, you know, uh, you're gonna you're gonna have to figure out how you're gonna navigate because they're not, you know, I mean, you, you could have a smart system that could do all the uh, uh, you know uh, do all the calculations that somebody with a sextant might do. Uh, but it's all going to be relative to wherever your starting location is, because unlike, you know, they had maps that were all based upon and chronometers that were based upon the time in a certain location and all the maps and, and, and calculations worked off of that. You'd have to go from, unless you put a mapping satellite in orbit, you'd have to go from wherever it was that you put in the water and, and you know, your time zero and have everything be relative to that. But still, you know, we have, uh, uh, Compasses that are, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, gyroscopic. Okay. Uh, and uh, and we we have the ability to have a camera look at the ground we're pat and the water we're passing over and make an accurate estimation of distance traveled. So you could still have a smart system that could give you, you know, worlds better, you know, intelligence. Oh yeah. You know, and just. And just have that thing drive itself wherever you want to go, you know. So your first mate could be the ship itself. And and that would be kind of cool. You know, the Black Pearl was actually, you know, run by robotics, you know, on, on any of those uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, they, they use lots of ropes and stuff on that on that ship. Um, and those could all be controlled by robotic, you know, winches and such. And uh, so you're... The guy who's behind the big wheel uh, could be a robot, and and would could stand out there, and no matter how rainy, frosty, you know, bad the weather is, the scorching sun, do its job. Where everyone else gets to, you know, get below decks and stay warm, stay cool, stay at least from getting sunstroke. Yeah, you know that that's the you know that's the kind of cool things that 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 I'd like in Fringeworthy. Um, of course, I'd really like to have something that had the ability to uh, do things like I said, things I can't do, like uh, dress dress animals. I you know uh, I I'm not I would waste a lot of meat 
if I yeah. had to dress an animal for, you know, and so if you had something that was good at that, you know, it could, it could also be your doctor bot, you know, because anatomy is a doc bot would be able to dress an animal perfectly because it have anatomy files in it, not only for humans. So yeah. And very, and very sharp instruments. Yep. And, uh, and so you just plop that deer down there and zip, 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 you know, you've got a, you, you, you're, you're ready for venison steaks. Yeah. For a week. Yeah. For a week, yeah. Or you take you take your robot and you say, okay. He says we need enough uh, we need enough firewood for the next two weeks. Go get it. And he goes off, you know, and he's basically chopping trees until he gets an, and and pulling a sledge of, of of wood back with him until he gets all the wood that you need. That would be great. Uh, no one has ever done these things in any of the games I played. <laughs> They're like, you know, they never do this, you know. And of course, uh, you know. The, the best part about robots is, is that if someone takes one of them out, you know, it's not a bad thing. You know, it's, it means it may be inconvenient, but it's not losing. It's not like losing a player character yeah. and having a robot be your patrol on the edges of your compound in Fringeworthy. Well, also just say you're on a campfire. Robot doesn't have to worry about sleeping. It can be up all night doing the guard duty and the entire, the entire group gets sleep instead of, oh, I'll, I'll take, you know, splitting up with watches and stuff. Right, and uh, uh, but it's is a it, and and if he gets shot at by somebody, someone trying to ambush, then you know it it you can afford to lose it. It's a robot, you know. It's a toaster. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a true AI. You haven't lost a person. So yeah, and uh, yeah, and it's, and they go up to try to slit his throat, and it's and it says warning, warning. You know, this unit under attack. <laughs> like like, like um, <laughs> no, it's doing the stuff like oh god, your one friend Dana. <laughs> in the fallout yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh he's so funny <laughs> so, so funny. funny this security robot is property of <laughs> everybody go, go you know if you, you have not watched the fallout paper and pencil episodes we put on as as live play please go watch listen to that it was dana as the robot was so hysterical oh god that i i it very few times i mute my mic because i'll forget i had to yeah i was laughing out that loud and i mean there i had one hand on the floor because i had yeah. to pro- i was just doubled over with laughter and finally i brought back the mic and i even oh my god you know just yeah it was it was great he he did the because those robots were not ais right yeah so if you want a perfect example of a security robot in a role-playing game, go back to those episodes, and Dana Gray, yeah, he just, yeah, slayed the game on that, folks. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. He had a canned response to everything. Yep. Oh, was... he, he, because he, I mean, he, uh, he, he showed me that they were all written down on a sheet of paper, so he just, <laughs> just, and, yes. and, he, and, he, and of course, he said it verbatim every time, which made it all the more funny, because it was, you know, <laughs> Uh, Thank you for interacting with the General Dynamics Model 501 robot. Yeah, yep, yep. You have initiated the, the security protocols. Protocols, and I must, he says, you know, and I must now, you know, engage you. If you survive, you know, please remember to take your take your 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 custom to our company for your next sale. Yeah, uh, I will do my I will do my best to impress you. Yeah. Oh yeah, so funny, and, and of course robots can be hysterically funny because of that. Because, because you, they are you're human. playing well. Because if you're GM doing it, you're playing them as the straight guy. That's the yeah. thing, and they end up being the comic relief because they're just so you know straightforward Out, and they're you know, so outre. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do all the all, they do all the things that if some a human did it, you go, oh come on, nobody's that dumb, or what you know, or that's just that's just too weird, you know. But they, you could pull it off with a robot yeah. because robots are whatever they were programmed to do, and sometimes that programming comes out in the most inadvertent and improper situations. Yes, you know, like when you're you know, the robot starts offering um, uh, hair uh, hair follicle replacement services to. Them. <laughs> to the to the warlord, you know, who's <laughs> very proud of his bare pate. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Anyways, okay. Uh, so yeah, like I mean, definitely need the more uh, campground uh, or uh, I mean, literally, uh, you know, your entire camp. I and mean, you've seen the the buildings that literally unfold themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Your 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 camp could be a robot. Yeah. You could just roll out and a just pack itself. Smart home. Yeah. Yeah, pack, unpack itself, dig itself a well, uh, or ru- run a line down to the nearby stream, and you know, open up the open up the solar cells and let you know when you know uh, put the put the coffee on the pot, you know, on, 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 get 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 dinner going. It would be like know? a tech version of the magnificent mansion spell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and oh, there's and you, an idea. Oh, I might be whipping up that idea for my game okay. soon. Yeah. You just you just uh, you look at your phones, your communicators, or whatever you're using. You know, and it has like a little says you know uh, you know you know time to camp being fully set up, and you see the bar slowly working its way along. Yeah. And when it pauses, you you get something wrong. Do I need to do something about it? And then it starts up again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like like Windows. Whenever it says, you know, you've got fifth, you know, you got five minutes till completion, and it turns into a half hour because yeah. it keeps stopping, and then, it's, and then, yeah. Or no, I can see it as the house is unfolding. Wait a minute, the bar is stopping. Why? And you look and you realize you got to move. It unfolded three times, and it's stuck up against a tree or a stump or a rock. You're like, oh wait a minute, we got to move it over a little bit. Okay, now uh, it can fold up. And, and then, and then you, you you find you find on the last stop you were you were at you know some raccoon snuck inside when it was folding itself up and yeah that's a mess yep. <laughs> that's just not right oh oh it got oh it got oh yeah robot doesn't care as long as it doesn't keep it from folding down Ugh. Ooh. Acti- activate the cleaning programs <laughs> oh boy why does it smell yeah. like why does it smell like carrying oh you open it up and find out wait a minute when was the last time we used the fold up habitat. Yes, that was a mission or, three weeks ago. Oh, or it could be, or it could be like my my poor kid. Uh, we, our cat does not like him, so anytime the cat manages to get into his room, it uses his bed as his litter box. Oh no! And then let's imagine that folding up automatically, and you coming in that night, and it's all oh, unfolded. No. Looks it's all nothing got cleaned up, and you know because it wasn't time to clean it. Oh. And, it, and the robot didn't know that this had happened somehow. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. The face that, palm. You you all should be feeling the face palm, listeners. Just oh yeah. man. Oh. Oh. Yeah, he's he really hates that cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So uh, so the vehicles, structures themselves, uh, lots of helper the machines of various kinds, possibly purpose built for what they're trying to do to support the camp. Uh, Communication, uh, drones, doctor bots, uh, of course, weapon platforms. Oh yeah, you know that. Those are the main things I see. And of course, if they can just come along with you as your as your as your pal, your robot pal, plastic pal, that um, to keep you know to basically you know lighten your day a little bit, you know, by whatever chatter you can put out or you know allow you to talk to it and bounce ideas off so you can keep your head straight. 
it's all it's all good. As a matter of fact, you know, um, I, I thought about writing some stories for Fringeworthy about you know solos, guys that are on, are exploring the fringe paths on their own, and having a a, a robot like this might be something really helpful to somebody like that. Where they just don't get they just don't want to be with anybody else. They had a bad experience with a team or or just for some reason they just can't you know, because fringeworthy it one out of a hundred thousand chance of being fringeworthy. So every team is usually just a mixture of all these other countries and yeah. you're super nat you're super nationalist so you're not gonna go out with anybody from another country and you're forced to be a solo. You know, having a robot, you know, and a dog, yeah. <laughs> assuming you could find one, a, a fringeworthy dog. Well, actually, no, a dogs, they're not smart enough, so you can't just walk them through. So, yeah, and you and your dog. Carry them through if you carry them through. No, you, you can, as long as you're holding on to them. So the leash would count? Yeah, possibly. That's yes, what yes, it would, it would, because uh, in one of the stories we have that's considered part of canon, a train goes through, and, and basically... Uh, uh, the cattle go through in their cattle car. The dogs that are in the uh, guard, uh, there's a guard room with a safe in it. They they go through all because one little girl in one of the passenger cars is fringeworthy. So yeah, you, they just have to be attached to something that's attached to the fringeworthy person. So yeah. Anyways, that's a little. Uh, uh, those of you who don't play fringeworthy, uh, it's a cool game. Check it out. Uh, anyways, it, but it's you know you, things are going to be a little bit more oriented toward you know dealing with the lack of uh, of amenities that we're used to in a modern world when it comes to robotics. I see them as basically being the uh, you know uh, the trying to cross you know, bridge those major breaches because otherwise you're just basically you know Boy Scout camping everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you. Or unless you get one of those, you know, you know, super expedition vehicles that cost three hundred thousand dollars and got six wheels on them, you know, basically the equivalent of a half track truck. Yeah. You know, and a bunch of chainsaws, and you just basically chainsaw your way across the continent. You know, uh, I'd much rather go to the coast and t- and, and bring a boat <laughs> and explore that way. You know, because we had that whole thing back at the beginning about the catamaran, and that's the that's the way to travel the world. I, I say on a catamaran because it's big and you can fit it through the twenty five foot wide portals. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, anyways, so but um, any other games we can think of where robotics would be different than what we just mentioned? Well, I mean, Incursion has all the robotics with the power cables and, you know, all that and the actors. I mean, in the 92 edition of Fringeworthy, we had all sorts of rules for robotics. Yeah. I mean, in the future, you can pretty much assume that every cable you have is going to be, have the ability to self-manipulate itself. So you just basically take the cable and you stick it near your, your computer, your phone, your wall socket, whatever. It'll automatically plug itself in. Yeah, you know, I don't think that's going to be necessary for anybody to deal with anymore. Along with issues of compatibility, you know, uh, I think most you know band aids will automatically put themselves on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, now I, I, I uh, we might have bottles, you know, self pouring themselves. I don't know, you know, it's, it just seems a little bit weird, you know, suddenly sprouting legs, standing up and tipping itself over, you know. As you're singing, so, I'm a little teapot. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're basically getting into uh, Beauty and the Beast, the animated yeah, version. Yeah, yeah. All the, all the, basically all the uh, uh, stuff in the house are, are all animated because they're, they're 
they were replaced by people. So uh, I always wondered what happened to the original teapots and bureaus and things like that yeah, that were in yeah, the house. Yeah. They go, you know, maybe they all, go, you know, maybe they're all down in the basement somewhere, packed away. No, maybe. Uh, but anyways, yeah. Uh, so yeah, when you, again, when you start talking about future robotics, really, the you know the the, the world, you know, it, it's up for anything. You can uh, everything. Everything is alive. Everything moves. Your carpeting. You know, goes and uh, massages your feet when you put your foot down. Oh, that would be wonderful. It, uh, uh, you know, you walk across uh, the first carpet and it basically cleans your shoes, you know, your, your boots or whatever like that. You go to the, if you drop your clothing, uh, it automatically, you know, undulates and buries it over and hangs it up on the wall for you. You know, you walk into the, the next room, it massages your feet, uh, hits all of your pressure points and such, you know, keeps them warm, keeps them cool. Uh same with your, you know, recliner. You know, they they adjust themselves to whatever you're trying to do. You know, uh, if if you want that kind of thing, carries on a cheery conversation with you, and then shuts up and, and basically stays out of your your business. You know, I mean, anything's possible if you go far enough into the future yeah. with hot with AI. So, uh, but I, but these are the things that I think should be in a, in a game that. Uh, that we both think should be in a game this this near future, uh, the kind of things we suggested in this podcast. So we hope that this has been of some illumination to you. That and if you again, if you disagree with us, please come onto our Facebook groups and send us a scathing letter of denial and and you know and 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 and, and replace your uh, our reality with your own. We would love for you to do that because that is what gaming on the frontier is all about. And we'll have more of that for you next week. But until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.